Welcome back. You're watching Stock Picks, and with us to unpack T-Mobile, Nvidia, and SAPI is Fahima Adia from Momentum Securities. Fahima, always a pleasure, and a good afternoon to you. Afternoon, Alatanjo. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. Is there a reason why you've chosen these counters today? Yes. Um, so I guess a variety of reasons. Uh, if we look at Nvidia. That one's obviously a leader in the AI space. Um, and despite that massive rally in the share price this year, we believe there's still further upside after uh, the majority of analysts have now re-rated the stock higher on the back of higher earnings uh, numbers. And um, we're looking for at least uh, earnings growth of about 35% on this one over the long term. Mm -hmm. Also, after the recent pullback in the uh, stock after the concerns about exporting chips to China, it has come off and uh, we think now provides an opportunity to get entry into this uh, this company. And then if we look at the likes of SAPI, uh, we like this one because we believe it's well positioned for recovery after it's taken steps to enhance and diversify its business model, uh, trying to move away from that graphic paper part of the business and into more profitable segments. So that starts to look, uh, is also looking quite promising. We are expecting to see recovery there. It's also uh, trading at a more attractive valuation in comparison to the likes of Mondi. And then finally on T-Mobile, um, this one is a leader in the wireless communication space with a very strong market position in the postpaid phone market and also in 5G. So uh, we were quite impressed by the recent results and uh, we're expecting to see uh, further gains in the stock in the next few years. Let's go into them and uh, maybe delve deeper with a T-Mobile possibly starting off in, excuse me, in the U.S. Let's talk about uh, that solid performance, uh, you know, uh, Fahima. This is a very highly contested space uh, within the U.S. Uh, that's with, um, the, you know, mobile operators. But T-Mobile, like you said, standing out. Let's talk about 5G rollout um, and the potential mm -hmm. in um, the United States. It's a huge market. Yeah, yeah. So, um, like you said, you know, it's been a tough market, um, for these uh, network providers, and uh, and we were quite impressed to see that T-Mobile continues to to uh, have the dominance in this space. Um, so, looking at those recent three Q results, they managed to beat consensus estimates when it came to both earnings and their free cash flow. They also had leading industry growth uh, when it came to their postpaid phone subscribers and uh, lower churn rates and higher speed uh, internet additions in comparison to a lot of their competitors. Uh, so, for example, if you look at the likes of AT&T, they did beat them. And, uh, yeah, going on to that 5G rollout point, um, they've been very successful in this regard. Uh, they have a head start when it comes to their competitors. And uh, they recently actually achieved their target of uh, covering about over 300 million people with the ultra-capacity 5G uh, months ahead of their, their planned deadline. Uh, so their 5G footprint has expanded quite significantly, and I, it now covers about 98% of Americans. So they have a very, very strong 5G uh, footprint there, and uh, definitely the leader in that space in the U.S. I must ask you also about, uh, you know, the telco space in U.S., maybe looking at T-Mobile. Is it also one that is marred by consolidation? We see on the African continent lots of consolidation, uh, lots of partnerships. Is it similar in the U.S.? And can T-Mobile also uh, be looking in that direction? Yes, definitely, Nolatando. So we have seen them... Uh 
do a couple of acquisitions of the past few months, and there have been a couple of mergers to kind of strengthen their position in their market. Uh, and they continue to just grow and get bigger on the back of that. So recently, they've also been investing quite heavily in their spectrum. So we've seen them buy uh, billions of dollars worth of spectrum from the likes of uh, some of their competitors like Comcast to try and get the the, the leading space in the telecom sector. Um, so I do think that uh, it, it, it is something that they will continue to do going forward, continue to acquire, to merge with other companies, to just uh, expand their footprint and to ensure that they keep the lead in the space. And then I must also uh, ask you about uh, NVIDIA. <laughs> NVIDIA is a, a big one here. I actually spoke to an analyst earlier who uh, put it to us that uh, it's possible that what we've seen is a bit of an AI bubble, uh, Fahima. And you've said that you are expecting uh, some upside here after the re-rating of NVIDIA. Help us contextualize in the NVIDIA that has run uh, as much as NVIDIA has run to date. Yes, I know. So there have been some talks about uh, there being this potential AI bubble. But from what we're seeing, we feel like the AI industry is just getting started. You know, this is just the beginning. Um, we don't think that the valuation is uh, too pricey, given the the expected growth uh, in earnings that is expected to come from this company. So, uh, like I said, a lot of analysts have been re-rating it high on the back of this. And if you look at the valuation, Nolitandu, it's actually not bad. I mean, it's at a forward PE now of about 27 times given the high earnings uh, growth that is expected on this. And that's that's definitely below the average that it's actually uh, traded at in the past, which has been about 40 times. So from a valuation point of view, it does seem attractive at these levels. Yes, I don't think it's probably likely to rally another 200%, but we are still expecting to see quite significant gains on this one, at least I'd say uh, about um, 40%. Um, and uh, if we look at the Q3 results, that's expected to come out uh, later this month. Uh, analysts have quite a, a, a strong view that this is going to beat estimates. Consensus believes that it's going to uh, beat the general uh, consensus estimates on this one, which I think will result in further gains on that stock price. Um, if we also look at some of their recent uh, product announcements, that's been very favorable. They're trying to accelerate some of those product introductions to, to keep the lead in the market space. And they've also now been focusing on further market segmentation to meet a variety of market-specific needs. So um, we're also expecting a lot of demand to come from that stronger gaming market that has really picked up and uh, a lot of growth to come from the data center. So I do think it's one that is well-positioned for the future and we, we do expect to see further gains on this one. And what does NVIDIA look like without the Chinese market? Because, of course, uh, they are right in the middle of this tug of war between the U.S. and China. Yes, exactly. So uh, we saw that recent pullback in the share price, and that was, of course, on the back of the, those announcements that the U.S. Um, is to ban NVIDIA from exporting uh, specific uh, high-end chips to the Chinese economy due to geopolitical issues with China, of course. And uh, so that obviously had an impact on the price, but uh, NVIDIA is kind of making its way around that by uh, exporting uh, the lower tier chips, which it is still allowed to export to China. But the good thing with NVIDIA's business model is that uh, the graphic processing units that it produces and these advanced chips are in such great demand globally that it's quite uh, easy, I believe, to find other markets to redirect these chips to. So even though China, uh, you know, makes up a big part of their 
um, their revenue. I think recently it was about 21%. We do think that they will be able to redirect uh, that stock to other countries that also have a demand for their products. And then moving on to SAPI now, let's speak about that one. Uh, a bit of a clean-up operation in Europe. Uh, keen to get your thoughts on this one. Um, and the direction of SAPI uh, with some of its competitors mm-hmm. really citing a very difficult macroeconomic environment and that reflecting in their numbers. Yes, 100%. It has been a, a difficult environment. Um, so they had those record sales um, about a year ago. But uh, since then, you know, we've seen... A decline in demand because a lot of the clients actually stockpiled too much and that resulted in reduced decline uh, re- reduced demand for some of sappy's products but uh, we're now expecting that uh, that stockpiling would have uh, you know uh, been depleted and for uh, customers to start ordering again i think uh, the graphics paper market in particular is in secular decline so it is good to see that um you know, Stappy is taking steps to move away from that segment of their business. In the past, it has been the major generator of revenue, but um, they've recognized that this market is in a secular decline. So it's good to see that there has been more focus now on uh, the packaging and specialty papers part of the business. So uh, in line with uh, their decision to kind of diversify away from the graphics paper business, we've seen them now trying to shut down some of those malls uh, in the European market or to try and sell them off. I mean, they had a couple of deals there, but unfortunately, some of them fell through. But uh, the good thing to see is that we're seeing some uh, very good uh, results come through from their North American uh, business. Uh, They recently announced that um, they had some record revenue and profits coming out of that business. So I think even though, you know, the the industry is going through a transition in terms of moving away from the graphic paper part of the market, uh, there still will be strong demand for Sappy's products um, for paper and forestry, uh, especially considering, you know, the move towards renewable energy. And now that there will be more focus on on reducing our use of plastics, there will probably be uh, a drive to using paper products for when it comes to packaging as opposed to, to plastic products. So it does still have opportunity. I think it will just be in different areas of the market and in different applications going forward, but definitely still has uh, potential going forward. Um, yeah. Also interesting about SAPI is uh, they're one of the few companies that aren't necessarily uh, speaking about exiting South Africa. In fact, they've spoken that even though in the past they've reported on uh, some real production issues in South Africa, they still remain Mm -hmm. quite committed to this market. Is this market, uh, you know, a robust one for them? Uh, Just considering that there are quite a few listed uh, paper and packaging companies on the JC. Yeah, so I think, you know, they are facing major headwinds in the South African market. The major issue for SAPI has been the logistic issues with Transnet, uh, which obviously increases the costs of transportation because they are not able to, to make use of the trains, meaning they have to now transport their products via the roads and trucks. So that actually had a major impact on their, uh, their profits in the, in the last half. Um, but I think it is good to know that they do have exposure to other markets, you know, such as Europe, North America, and that does provide some um, diversity of uh, revenue. So obviously, South Africa is still a big market for SAPI, but uh, we do have a lot of headwinds we are facing here. And we're hoping that once some of those issues are resolved and once we see some further re- uh, recovery in the South African economy, uh, that will have a positive impact on SAPI as well.
What I also found interesting is, you know, in this environment that I guess both Sappy and Monty find themselves in, Sappy's decided to be a little bit defensive, pay down debt. Monty's decided to be a little bit more aggressive and go out into expansion. I'm wondering about that, uh, you know, these two strategies, Fahima, and your experience here, uh, you know, the, the bull or the bear? Yes, I think, you know, given this difficult environment, in my view, I think SAP is probably taking the correct approach to try and, uh, you know, reduce their debt uh, to focus on diversifying into new uh, product lines that are expected to generate higher returns over the long term. I suppose Mondi is also trying to do the same thing, but maybe taking a bit more of an aggressive approach. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I do think that it has been favorable that Mondi was able to exit those Russian operations. So that was definitely a positive. But from a, a valuation point of view, I do think, you know, SAPI is quite undervalued in comparison to Mondi and uh, does look like a more attractive opportunity. And for our retail investors at home, Fahima, looking at these counters now and are wondering in what order they should prioritize or buy them, in which order would you buy them? So um, I would probably first look at NVIDIA, mm -hmm. just based on the, the recent uh, pullback in that stock price. Uh, it's not often that you get an opportunity to buy the stock at a decent valuation. And at the moment, it's trading at a, at a decent valuation, I would say, of about 27 times uh, at that forward PE. Um, and we're looking for upside of at least 40% uh, on this one. So I think that would probably be my first pick. The next one would be T-Mobile. So uh, we're looking for upside of at least 20% on this one. This one's obviously that leader in the uh, wireless telecommunications space. And uh, we expect that they will continue to outperform their rivals in the US. We're looking for long-term earnings growth of about 40% on this one. So it definitely does look attractive. And then lastly, we'd probably look at SAPI. So uh, SAPI is more of a long-term play given the headwinds that we are facing in South Africa at the moment. But we are expecting to see recovery on this one in the long term. Um, so we are looking at a target price of about 53 Rand on this one, which implies upside of almost 36%. Uh, they also have a dividend yield of about 6% on this one. So, the, uh, yeah, those are the that I would give those stocks. And I mean, that segues, I think, perfectly to our educational segment, which is the required return of a stock for him. Speak to us about that. Yes, so um, when determining your required return on a stock, Nalatando, uh, it's, it's quite important to know what your return is and if the the stock you're investing in is able to meet that return to make it worth your while. Uh, so it can be calculated by adding your risk-free rate uh, to a beta-adjusted equity risk premium. The risk-free rate is generally quite simple to determine, um, and we use the proxy such as uh, the government long-term bond rate to calculate that one. For the equity risk premium, it's, it's slightly more tricky, uh, but generally what you can do is you look at your historical returns on the market and um, subtract that from the risk-free rate to determine your average equity risk premium, and then that is adjusted by a, a beta to account for the systematic risk. So the beta will be uh, unique to the stock that you're looking at. If your stock is considered to be riskier than the market, then it would be have a beta that's greater than one. If it is less than one, that means that it's generally considered to be less riskier than the market. And uh, yeah, all in all, that's how you would go about calculating your required return on a stock. Quite an important uh, metric, I think, to understand when investing. 
Thank you so much, Afahima, for speaking to us. Certainly reminded me of my fourth year finance lecture. Thank you for your time. That was Fahima Dia from Momentum Securities with your Wednesday edition of Stock Picks. That's all from the Business Lunch team today. We're back tomorrow, same time, same place. Zanatu so brings you the close at 6 p.m., but until then, stay tuned for lots more coming up right here on Business Day TV.